Hello and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, the podcast that wasn't expecting that reaction, but respects those of you who don't agree with me. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat, can't see your friends? Don't worry about that. Today, we're talking online gaming. Football Manager is like masturbation, something that society prefers you to do at home alone with the curtains drawn. But it doesn't have to be that way, for Football Manager at least. Online gaming is the way forward and you'll be relieved to know that's what we're discussing today. And so it is my great pleasure to welcome the online expert from Sports Interactive, Neil Brock. Hashtag welcome Neil. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. It's absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, Tell me and the listeners what exactly you do all day, Neil. Uh, well, at the moment, I, I guess I'm kind of reminiscing about the times I could leave the house. But in terms of <laughs> sp- sports interactive, I'm actually uh, our community and customer experience manager. So what that means, because uh, it's not necessarily clear from the title, is that I'm trying to be the bridge between our community, uh, the FM community, that is, and our development team. So being the voice of the community within the studio, making sure everything gets heard loud and clear. Um, so that can sometimes be the great stuff that people really enjoy or the stuff they're not so keen on. But um, yeah, we also try and help out anyone with sort of random questions or any issues related to the game and just make sure they can get up and running, enjoying the game as much as possible and getting back to winning ways playing FM. Thank God for that. You're perfect for this podcast. Um, what's What's the most common question that comes up? Uh, why do I keep losing? It tends to come up quite a lot, things like that. And our response is always, it's your tactics, which uh, doesn't necessarily go down that well. But um, yeah, it tends to be along those lines. You, you don't tend to hear from people so much when they're winning unless they're just gloating. So so yeah, yeah it's not really questions that, then. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's been a thing with Football Manager forever, hasn't it? If, if you're not winning, you think the game's rubbish. Um, oh yeah it's, it's definitely unplayable broken when you're losing <laughs> but when you're winning it's the best thing ever so it really is i i remember winning once i think oh maybe it was just a dream that look now we we know that online gaming is a thing um some of us have suffered the indignity of being bullied on call of duty by dead-eyed 13 year olds from florida some of us have looked on in bemusement as our children spend hours with their friends on something called roadblocks which appears to be a sort of 3D iPad version of Jet Set Willy. But Football Manager isn't something we usually associate with online play because, to be honest, the tech hasn't always passed muster, whether that's in the game or your own broadband capabilities, and your friends are unlikely to wait 45 minutes while you sort out your defensive corners. But it's changing now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as you said, in the past, I think it was certainly held up by the fact of dial up and if your mum suddenly wanted to use the phone you had no chance so and now it's it's a lot quicker it's a lot smoother than it used to be um there's still the problems there if if your mate does want to spend 45 minutes doing his tactics that it can be frustrating but there's things available in game to sort of give them a bit of a kick up the backside and get them moving a bit quicker uh you may recall back in the day as well a lot of people used to play hot seat games so everyone would be sat around the same computer trying to do things and you'd have to take it in turns to do that. In network games, everyone can do things at the same time. So it's it's a lot better for that. And obviously with the whole uh, social distancing aspect that's going on now, wheeling and dealing at the same time, it's a good way of doing it. So we've added different modes as well over the years, things like a fantasy draft and versus mode on Football Manager Touch as well. And we've even got a console version, the Xbox edition. So definitely a few more options there to play the game. Well, this is great. I mean, this is 
this is not a podcast for people who know Football Manager inside out and win every single game they play. This is very much where we're we're kind of we're, we're recovering Football Manager aholics. We we might have drifted out as real life got in the way, and and we've come back during lockdown. Um, it, it is probably I, I would say quite a lot of the listeners won't routinely play online games how easy is it to do it like if if i phone up my mate and say come on let's like we've both got the game let's get a game going um you know because some of us are old enough to remember when you had to plug things into your computer to make this happen yeah it's definitely a lot easier these days um there's things called uh you can be a steam friend or an epic friend with someone or you can just find their username in the lobby of a of a game and just invite them in that way. So on the main menu, there's just a very simple join online game option or set up an online game. And from that, it's just, as you said, about communicating with your friend, just getting them to join your game instead of joining some randoms game from halfway around the world and they have no <laughs> idea what's going on. So, And it should be said, um, as someone who has played a fair bit of this, it is always better when you're playing online with someone. Um, and, and there are multiple reasons for this. Most of them are to do with gloating. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is that there's just no hiding place when you're linked up with someone. I'm not suggesting that everyone who says on Twitter that they've won title after title is cheating. Um, I'm not suggesting that people might just occasionally turn off the game in the 89th minute of a Champions League final they're losing 2-0 and stuff I'm not I'm not suggesting anything but I am saying it's impossible to do that in an online game and the pressure that puts on you and the excitement it is great fun but you you don't have to play it like that we are going to talk about how to play a proper campaign if you will so Neil if if me and my mate we we've just got a couple of hours we just want to test it out we just want to play one game against each other can can we do that yeah, you can. There's there's something called versus mode, which um, is only available in Football Manager Touch, but anyone who buys Football Manager on uh, PC or Mac gets it for free. So it's available there. And from that, it's just easy to set up just a quick one-on-one game, or you could have a series of games in a little league between you and a mate. And you can even, and this is one of the kind of like hidden gems, I would say, of Football Manager, you can take your own single player team that you've been playing at home all by yourself for all that time bring them out as they are and play them against your mate's team. So you may have been having a chat before where he's saying, oh, I've got the best team ever. I've been playing for 20 years. It's amazing. You can't can't even believe how good it is. And then you play them with a bog standard whoever and you absolutely thrash them. You can really put them in their place, which is basically what (laughs) online gaming is all about. Exactly. I mean, does that mean that if if I've been playing you know, with with my Sunderland team for 10 years and someone else has been doing the same, we're we're both 10 years down the road, we can pull our our Sunderland teams out and make them face each other. Absolutely. I mean, you could even play them against a bog standard Sunderland team and realise how much you've made them worse. So (laughs) there's there's loads of options there. Is there any other Sunderland than a bog standard Sunderland? Bless them. This is true, yeah. Um, and if if you do want to play the campaign game, I mean, we're we're going into sort of real world infrastructure here of kind of saying to your mate, like nine pm every Monday, we'll we'll get this get this universe up and running. You're saying one of you has to be the host, so I presume their computer is is kind of doing all the all the heavy lifting, and yeah, the other person is them- sort of tagged in. Yeah, you you really want them to have the super quick broadband speed. You really want them to have a decent computer so it can run it quickly. Because as you said, they're doing the heavy lifting. And then as the person who connects to the game, you've got to have a decent connection just to connect. 
but it doesn't make as big a difference to the performance of the game. So, and there's a, there's a bit of pressure, I would say, on, on the admin to actually get things set up right and to make sure things are running okay. But but the reality is they've got a bit more control as well. So they, they can set the tempo of, of how quickly you get through the games and the different options that are available for a, for a big campaign. Now, let's say that... Um... Uh, let, let's let's not even make this hypothetical. I am absolutely a person who goes into the computer shop and says, I need a new computer. And they say, what do you use it for? And you know, when you would in the past have gone, uh, word processing, I'm now like, I play a lot of football manager. I, I need, I need processing power. If you are that person, you host the game, uh, your friend connects up to it. Is it possible to say, look, I'm just going to switch this on. I've actually got stuff to do. Um, in my real life, I'm going to switch this on. You can log on and you can spend like 45 minutes doing your defensive corners and stuff. You don't actually need me there uh, until we press continue. Yeah, definitely. That's 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 a great option to have. I, I know some people that end up becoming hosts that they don't even actually play themselves. They kind of pick a team and just leave it leave it running and they can go on holiday actually in game whilst all the other people can play whilst they're not there. So there's there's loads of different options for that. So how many people can play in one in, in one game at any one time? Well, put it this way, if you manage to get enough people to fill it up completely, you either got a lot of friends or you've really put out the call. But <laughs> I've personally played in a network game where every single team in a league has a real <gasps> human manager. And the actual concrete limit is 32, which is perfect if you fancy a crack of everyone taking part in a World Cup. Um, and I remember a few years back, we did a World Cup within the studio, all the, sort of the, the coders and people who work at SI. And the guy that actually won it was a massive Huddersfield Town fan. And he, he was England. And this sort of shows how long ago it was that he had Andy Booth score the winner in the final, <laughs> which shows how long ago it was and the fact that England's golden generation was probably more successful in FM than it ever was in real life. So, Wow, Andy Booth, there's a blast from the past. Um, so, and, and this is something you just touched upon there. If, I mean, I haven't got that many friends, but if I had, say, four or five of us and we were doing a kind of Monday night club of playing football manager together, and if one person couldn't make it for, for whatever reason, their, their assistant manager would kind of step up for them and look after things. Well, yeah, that's one of the most, I'd say, overlooked aspects of network games is getting a really good assistant manager because you're probably not going to make every single session. So having them in place to kind of step up to the plate when you're not there and lead the team, there's nothing worse than coming back after a session that you couldn't attend and seeing your assistant decided, uh, oh, yeah, our best strikers should just sit on the bench for three games. So just, <laughs> just make sure you've got a decent assistant manager and you can go on holiday, come back, and hopefully you've got a few wins to come back to. One of the things that, that can make Football Manager very time-consuming is the fact that, you know, it's really realistic and it will schedule games for Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, so on and so forth. Um, there's a way you can get around that in a network game, isn't there? Yeah, and this kind of comes back to the host as well. The host has a bunch of options available to them uh, via the preferences. There's online game preferences as well. And so if they go into that, they can check it out. And some of the options that are available are, of course, the match scheduling option, as you mentioned, whereby you can set it. All matches will take place on either a Wednesday or a Saturday. That means, for instance, say a team's got a random Thursday night fixture, that gets moved. So you don't have to wait for them to play their match. And it also means that pretty much everyone's playing at the same time. So there's always a good constant flow of games and people being involved. It's bittersweet because when I've I've done link up games with Alex Stewart from Tifo, 
one of the most fun things has been just kind of sitting there and watching him get beaten, um, which which is cruel. And he's a nice man and he doesn't deserve that. But that's the way the world is. The world is cruel and the night is dark and full of terrors. Um, <laughs> but it definitely makes it go much, much quicker if you're all playing at the same time. There are other things you can do as well. I've never had to impose this, but I've always been quite intrigued. But you can set mandatory time limits, can't you? Yeah, it's a bit of a force continue almost, whereby, and it's quite detailed as well, in fact, you can set it for different points. So for instance, you may say after a match is finished that there's a force continue, say after 10 seconds or 20 seconds, or you could do it just after each continue, say it might be 30 seconds before it goes there, or when someone's trying to do their tactics before a match. So it's it's quite comprehensive. Obviously, it depends how much of a dictator you are as the host to what you set, but there's nothing worse. And as you said, if someone's kind of sat there tweaking their tactics indefinitely, everyone else is just raring to go into the next match. There's also an aspect of uh, everyone can almost do a vote and say, we're continuing. And once a certain number of the people playing have said they want to continue, it will then set that timer off automatically and force that last person to, oh, to nice. get a move on, essentially. Nice. Democracy in action. I, I like this as well because I think it adds another layer of, of strategy to it because you you have to say you've got you know two, three minutes for every continue. You have to make the decision where you're going to spend those three minutes, whether it's on recruitment or tactics or training. You can't physically do everything. Um, you, you just sort of have to prioritize. I like stuff like that. This is working. Now, if, and, and again, this is purely hypothetical, but if I don't have any friends or um, my friends actually have real lives and don't have this sort of time, where can I find people to play with? So there tends to be a bunch of groups online, uh, people who take part in clans, not the sort of Scottish Braveheart type, but people who get involved in online games. There's also a number of websites such as the SI Community Forums that have dedicated online sections that you can go to and find people, like-minded people who want to play games. There's a bunch of people who do streams. Uh, if you're interested in watching someone perhaps play an online game, there's the Streamer Showdown group within the community. They have a game running on Twitch, uh, which contains some of the more well-known streamers within the FM community. And there's always people in the chats looking for games there as well. So there's a lot of places online you can look for. We're definitely going to have to do something on this show. Bring people together, get a competition going, some kind of World Cup. More on that later once i figure out how to do it and if anyone will let me right quick message this show is made by the athletic and if you haven't already got a subscription then we simply must remedy that today need some reasons to justify the purchase well okay try these every day you get tens of thousands of words of excellent sports journalism and it's not just football. You get a subscription, you get the football, but you also get the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, all the other acronyms you love so much. And it's not just the writing, it's the podcasting too, or more specifically, the ad-free podcasting, because you get special ad-free versions of things like the Totally Football Show if you listen on the Athletic app. And if you type theathletic.com forward slash FM pod, you'll get a special deal. No idea what it is at this stage, but it will definitely be special. And don't forget to use the FM pod bit because when I go to the bosses and ask them for things like giant football manager competitions, we're, we're going to need those numbers. Right, we are back with Neil Brock from Sports Interactive and I'm really, really keen to talk about Fantasy Draft. For anyone who doesn't know, for anyone who's just sort of seen it pop up on the menu but never clicked it, what is it? 
Well, it takes its influence from kind of like the fancy American sports, like fancy baseball league, um, and basically puts an FM spin on it. So there's probably a few of your listeners who are already familiar with kind of the draft system in American sports. But just to give you an idea, uh, stay with me on this one. But imagine, (laughs) say, you're back in school and you've got the world's biggest playground in front of you with every professional footballer there to pick for your team for a lunchtime game. That is basically what Fantasy Draft is. Just gives you the option to pick someone. The only problem is, once you've picked someone, someone else's turn to pick the next player. So it goes through each person taking a turn to build their essential dream fantasy squad to take part in a tournament. There is a catch, and that catch is that every player has a value and you have a budget. So whilst you might want to fill your team with, say, £50 million worth of Jaden Sancho, you might not be able to afford it, so you have to settle for someone like Alan McCormack on a slightly cheaper deal. <laughs> the man, the legend. Um, what, once you've got your turn, and I have to stress, just as in fantasy football, the draft is is brilliant fun anyway because you've got a time limit, you've got the pressure, and if you've got you know five or six people in there as well, it, it can get really competitive. What, but once you're through that and you've got your teams, what what happens then? What kind of competition is it? Well, you can choose. It's between sort of a cup format or a league format. So anyone kind of harping back to the days of uh, two-legged ties in the old European Cup, you can set it up like that. If there's a bunch of you, you might want to do a little league campaign as well. So you can choose to do that. Um, And then you just play against each other's teams. As I mentioned, for the actual draft phase, you can choose from uh, a certain budget, anywhere between 500 and 100 million to choose your team build it up you've got a squad of 25 so you want to be sort of careful whether you want to concentrate on that first 11 and just have not so good players on the bench or whether you actually want a proper squad that is capable of being okay after injuries and things like that and so this is a kind of fenced off alternative football universe where you're not going to have to worry about things like contracts and transfers and and things like that but do all the other things happen like injuries suspensions Yeah, absolutely. Those are the the main things that you have to worry about once you've got your squad. So if you've got a a mean centre-half who loves to dive into challenges, it might be good when he's winning the ball, but if he's suddenly suspended for a really crucial tie, then maybe it wasn't such a great selection when you were doing your draft. So this is kind of an ideal starting point, isn't it? You know, you can get everyone online Saturday afternoon, you've got Saturday afternoon, Saturday night to play your your whole kind of self-contained league season. Absolutely, definitely. It's it's really a great leveller as well because it gives you this choice to choose players that maybe you wouldn't normally consider, players that play for teams that you don't support or maybe you even really dislike but you know they're top quality and it can just be really fun as well. You get into the games quickly after the draft phase and again, it's all about that boasting, isn't it? Can you do anything with the player database? Can you kind of customise it or restrict it? For example, yeah, because obviously people will be going for Messi and Ronaldo quite quickly but could you say right we're doing this but we're doing it in Scotland yeah that, that's one of the best things I'd say about fantasy draft is being able to kind of restrict the player pool so if you wanted say only Scottish players that's something you could definitely do if you only wanted players say from league one that's something you can do or you can co- combine both things if you say only wanted English players from the English top flight that's something you can do as well. So it's really up to you in terms of what kind of game world you want to create for Fantasy Draft. 
All right, that's Fantasy Draft. Um, do keep me posted on how you get on with these things. If you're setting up leagues with people, if you're doing one-off friendlies or Fantasy Drafts, um, let me know about it. iMacintosh at theathletic.com and we'll recount some of the best stories. Um, quick break. I want to tell you about a new podcast from The Athletic. You don't want to miss this. This is the ideal sort of show to listen to while you're playing Football Manager. We'll be back in a tick. He just looked stressed all the time. In esta sala, él es el puto jefe, el puto amo. It got really to the point where they were completely untouchable in the league. Ich bin ein Muschener, mir san mir. Someone should tell him that if he mentions some Coronation Street episode, something like that, probably he's going to be more more popular. I will be Mancunian for the rest of my life, so I will be Manchester City fan. And yet there's, there's something that, it just feels like there's something missing a little bit. I'm Ian McIntosh, and this is Beyond the Headline. Over the next two episodes, we'll take a look back on moments from Guardiola's coaching past and see what they might tell us about his coaching future. We'll ponder what another two years of Pep's Man City might look like and wonder whether everyone involved might come to regret it. That's Beyond the Headline, available wherever you get your podcasts or Get it ad-free via The Athletic. Okay, welcome back. We've had so many emails over the last week or so. Uh, Let's go through them. One from Stephen Cole. Stephen is one of those crafty types, plays an attacking 4-3-3 when he's on the front foot, and just casually drops into a 3-5-2 when he wants to kill the game. Now, when he does this, he subs off a winger, and replaces him with a centre-back. But what always happens is he finds his new centre-back carrying out all the winger's duties at set-pieces, which is usually not what you want, because, you know, you suddenly find yourself defending a corner with five minutes to go and your tallest defender sat on the halfway line scratching his ass. Um, Neil, is there any way around this? Yeah, there is. I, I would say, personally, what I would do is set up a, a different tactics so you've got your main tactics the 4-4-3 attacking if he wants to create his 3-5-2 before the game and have it as one of his three tactics available not only does it get the extra bonus of being trained by the team so they're more familiar with it you can specifically set up the set pieces for that tactic which means the right players will be doing the right tasks for the set piece there's also the option to actually save set pieces individually. So once he does make the change, if he wants to do it the old-fashioned way, he can just go in and load his set piece so that, again, all the players are going to be in the right place. Yeah, it's perfect. I, I tend to have three formations that, that, that sort of go, go more aggressive and more defensive. So I'll have my standard formation. And then if I'm losing with 10 minutes left, I can put it into attacking. And if I'm winning with 10 minutes left, I can drop it into defensive. And you want to make sure that your set pieces are appropriate for that. Obviously, if you've got an attacking corner and you're losing with 10 minutes to go, you want everybody up there. And if you've got an attacking corner and you're 1-0 up, then you kind of want to leave your boys back in in their barracks. So it's worth spending a bit of time and, and getting a plan there for everything. Charlie Jones has got in touch. He's been playing the game for nearly 15 years, and he just saw his team get only the second goal of the season award he's ever had. Um, and he wants to know, how the goal of the month awards are actually judged by the game. Is there like a kind of secret point system under underneath? 
Yeah, there is. And it, it's strange, actually, for this year, we've added in XG. And that kind of uses the same formula in terms of how difficult the chance is. So where the player is, where the ball is, in terms of the difficulty of striking it or heading it or whatever the player is doing. And that's all calculated and taken into account for the shot. Um, it's all a bit under the hood, so you won't actually see those figures. But it's it's a really good algorithm to get the best goals appearing in the goal of the month, goal of the season awards. How do how do the other awards work? Things like Player of the Year. Well, it's very similar to to real life. Actually, you may find, say, for instance, that there's a player in your league who's got the highest average rating, and immediately you think, well, surely that's the player of the year. But it doesn't always work like that because it has to take into account things like where the team finished, how, the reputation of the player and the team themselves. For instance, if you were winning, say, European Player of the Year, it may be you were really good in the league campaign, but you weren't quite as good in Europe. And those games in Europe are highlighted so much more and are taken into account in such a way that there's real value placed on that. I, I know in real life, for instance, we've seen players overlooked just because of one amazing World Cup or European Championships. And the game works in exactly the same way. And I would also say there's perhaps a slight bias towards attacking players, midfielders, over defenders and goalkeepers. But again, if you look at the, the big awards that are handed out every year in real life, very often you'll find that it is skewed slightly towards those attacking players just because they tend to get the headlines and the back pages. Absolutely. Uh, uh, when it comes to manager awards, like manager of the month, does that have a sort of tangible effect on your reputation? Yeah, definitely. Every time you, you win one of those individual awards, it kind of gives your manager a boost. And that can obviously help you in loads of different ways in terms of the reputation of other players. If you potentially want to go out and sign someone, they'll think, oh, this is a manager who's kind of on the rise. And the respect that you get from your players within the dynamic system in game as well. So it's definitely worth if you can put a string of uh, good results together in one month, it, there's a definite boost there waiting for you. Nice. All right. Thanks for um, for those answers. Thanks to Charles for getting in touch with the question. Uh, one more from Ned Haig, um, who says, really like the book idea at the end of the show. Uh, and we'll certainly be buying some of those books. Uh, additionally, I wondered if there would be scope for when a book doesn't spring to mind or suit the topic of the show for suggesting a YouTube series or any other sort of content creator that features football manager. Um, that's a really, really good question. I am not massively familiar um, with with this part of the community. Neil, what, what's the scene line? Um, that's there's, there's a lot out there if you, if you have a dig around I mean we mentioned the streamer showdown earlier which is really good for the, the network side but for me it's, it's a really difficult question to answer it's almost like saying uh, who's your favourite child I feel like I'll be throwing <laughs> someone under the bus if I if I pick one above all others but um, there's loads of really good informative stuff and there is some stuff that we've done ourselves uh, some of you may remember the FM show that we used to put out featuring uh, Tom Davidson, who I believe has been on one of these podcasts before, and they, they are really interesting and informative, so they're definitely worth checking out. That's brilliant. If you uh, if you make great content, if there's something you've subscribed to on YouTube that you think is brilliant and more people should know about, get in touch. I'm Macintosh at theathletic.com. Right, it's time for book club. Um, or at least it would be if I had actually read any football books this week. Uh, unfortunately, I got distracted by Red Phoenix by Larry Bond. Now, if you've encountered Red Storm Rising, Tom Clancy's epic conventional war in the 1980s book, you'll love this. Not least because Larry Bond co-wrote Red Storm Rising. 
But this is Red Phoenix. It's a completely different book about an epic conventional war in the 1980s. Anyway, it's really good. Um, but fortunately, Cameron Cross comes riding to the rescue in my inbox. Uh, thank you, Cameron. He's just finished reading Sokonomics by Simon Cooper and Stefan Szymanski. Uh, he found it, and I quote, enlightening for the transfer market, both in and out of the game, and the way it identifies personal biases that you may not even be aware of. This is so true. How many times when you're playing football manager do you put a preference on someone with an interesting name? I mean, I'm doing it right now in Sunderland where I'm more forgiving to max power than I am to the more prosaically monikered George Dobson absolutely guilty as charged same thing goes in that book there are bits about players with blonde hair or bald heads or from nations like brazil that that get a kind of disproportionate amount of of love that book came out some time ago but it's still excellent and i think they've got updated chapters now it's uh two pound 99 on apple books two pound 99 on kindle that said depending on where you are right now you may well be allowed back in a bookshop so it uh, might be worth having a look in there whenever I've been scanning the football section there's usually a copy of Soconomics there and you can do your bit and support your local business Neil what, what's your favorite book oh well for me a really surprisingly brilliant one is a book by Paul Kimmage called Full Time The Secret Life of Tony Cascarino oh, I know what yes. you're thinking Tony Cascarino he wasn't necessarily my favorite player when I was growing up but the book itself actually starts with a quote from Douglas Coupland, a famous Canadian author, most well known for writing Generation X. So you know it's straight out of the box, not going to be a kind of conventional footballer autobiography. Um, it's just really, really interesting reading about his time playing in England and France, but it also looks at the breakdown of his marriage at that time and a hard, in-depth look at some of the mental problems he had whilst playing the game, just plagued him throughout his career, his confidence issues, where he'd be clean through one-on-one -on -one and just saying to himself in his head, oh, you're definitely going to miss this, you're rubbish. So it's definitely far more than meets the eye. So really good book. That is that is an outstanding choice. In, in a similar vein, if you get a chance to pull out a classic from ages ago, uh, Gary Nelson's Left Foot Forward is uh, a, a similarly toned book about a journeyman striker. I think it's written in about 1994, by which point he's in his mid-30s, career's kind of wrapping up, and that's that's a really good read as well. We've got loads of these. Hopefully there's lots of Christmas book ideas there. Neil, that is all we've got time for. We'll be back next week for more Football Manager chat. In the meantime, if you haven't already, check out all the other episodes on the feed. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, you want to ensure that we make loads more, subscribe to The Athletic. We've been through that. Promo code theathletic.com forward slash FMPod or just give us, a, give us a review. A nice review, obviously. Um, this has been the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. I've been talking to Neil Brock. Your producer has been Cornelius Mendes and we'll be back next week. <laughs>